Amen. Good morning. Good to see all of you this morning and good to have those of you that are joining us live stream this morning from wherever you are around the world. We are starting a new series today on Sunday morning. In fact, it's going to be a 35-week series. So you know me, I'm not uh, shy of doing long sermon series. In fact, that's mostly what we do around here. Uh, it's going to be a little unique in that uh, we're going to be both looking at the songs that David wrote, the Psalms, and scenes out of David's life. And we're going to go back and forth. Hopefully, some of the Psalms that David wrote corresponding to times in his life will actually even become more meaningful to us. But for the first two weeks, we're actually going to start in Psalms because when David was anointed as king, he was probably between 12 and 15 years of age. Now, he didn't become king of Israel to in his early 30s, but he was anointed king somewhere between 12 and 15 years of age. And even then, God was shaping his heart to be a heart for God. In fact, it is God who says of David that he is a man after my own heart. I believe in this series, God wants to use this series to shape our hearts to become men and women after God's own heart. And the reason I want to start in a couple of psalms in the first couple of weeks is because as a young boy, as a young teenager, God was already shaping him. But it was because, and this goes back to last week's message, which was the last message of the Gospel of Luke, David's heart was open to being opened by God. And therefore, God was shaping his heart even at a very young age. That's something for us to be mindful of. That's why we have a children's ministry at the Oasis and a youth ministry at the Oasis. Because God can begin to shape our hearts at a very, very young age. Now, for some of you, you maybe didn't come to know God till later on in your life. I want you to know that don't look back on those years wishing and pining away that you wished you would have known God. I mean, obviously, that's true. But as I share many times throughout our time together, it's not as important how you start the race as how you finish it. And as long as you and I have breath, we can allow God to shape us into being people who have a heart for him. So would you join me this morning as we examine and work through Psalm 19? Psalm 19. Why David? Why a series on David? Well, there's many reasons, but let me share one with you. Only Jesus Christ is mentioned more in the Bible than David. David, by far, 
is mentioned more than any other human being in God's Word. Over a thousand times in 144 chapters, David is mentioned by God. Now, our God would only have to say something once, and it would be enough. So the fact that our God spends such a significant portion of his word on this man tells me we need to look at this man's life, that there's a lot you and I can learn from this man, or else God would not have spent all this space on him. So that's why we're going to take our time and we're going to go through three different books, Psalms and then 1st and 2nd Samuel. And again, starting in a couple weeks, we'll go back and forth. We'll spend a week in 1st Samuel and then a week in a Psalm that corresponds to that time in David's life and then back and forth. I hope you'll stay with me throughout this whole 35-week series because, again, I believe that God wants to use it in all of our lives to shape us to be people after God's own heart. As a young man, as a teenager, as a young boy, what were the things that David was allowing God to shape him with? And what were the things in David's life that God wanted to use to shape David. The first is found in the first few verses of this psalm, and we've even sung several songs of worship today about this very truth, and that is that the glory of God is revealed in the world through what he has created. Notice how David starts this psalm off. And by the way, let's remember, as he says there even at the very beginning, this is for the music director. Remember, these are songs. And so that's why we've even entitled this series, David, The Worshiping Warrior. Because certainly we're going to talk about the battles that David had and the, the enemies that David faced but we're also going to talk about the fact that he's a worshiper. And God, in a sense, wants us to be the same. We're going to go through battles and challenges and obstacles and difficulties in our life. And we've got to learn to navigate those as God would have us to as a warrior for God. But at the same time, God wants us to grow in being a worshiper of him as well. And what does that look like? And here, David was being shaped to have a heart after God, a heart that was leading to being a devoted, enthusiastic worshiper. And the first thing that God uses in his life out there as a very, very young boy and a very, very young shepherd of sheep was his creation. Notice what David says. The heavens declare the glory of God. The word declare means to relate or to reflect the glory of God. The sky displays his handiwork. The sky proclaims and makes known literally the hand of God. Then notice, day after day, it speaks out. The word speaks means to gush forth, to flow, to pour out. Night after night, it reveals 
his greatness. It declares or shows his greatness. So David is saying, I first began to learn about the glory and greatness of my God through what he created. I took the time, even in my young life, to examine God's creation around me. And I realized that this revelation of the glory and greatness of God that came through creation was perpetual day after day, night after night, and it was plentiful. It was all around him. You and I would do well, instead of rushing through life like we do, to pause every once in a while, even maybe for a few minutes every day, and take time to behold God's creation. Because God is speaking to us through all that he has created. And we can begin to appreciate and admire the greatness and glory of God if we would just slow down and let creation speak to us. In the sunrises and sunsets, in the vastness of the stars in the sky, in everything from the largest creature on earth, which I guess at this point would be the whale, to the smallest, tiniest, microscopic creature that God ever made, God is saying, you can learn something about me. You can learn about my greatness and my glory. When you see creation, you realize I'm a very creative God. I'm an artist. I'm a God of beauty. Look all around you. I'm a God of complexity. Look at the complexity of the things that I created. He even uses our own physical bodies as a reminder of that. He says, just start thinking about your own physical body, how you are fearfully and wonderfully made, how that heart of yours has to just, you know, have a certain rhythm to it and how all of the synapses in your brain are firing off and how even just to move a finger takes multiple muscles and tendons and everything to work in concert. He says, why don't you just begin to look at what I've created and you will start to grow in awe and wonder of me and it will lead you to who I really am and to the truth about me and it will lead you to a life of worship and I will begin to shape your heart to be a heart after my heart by simply taking in what I have created. Paul even said in the book of Romans, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they have been understood through what God has made, so people are without excuse. Paul is saying that God makes in nature everything that can get through to every human being. I mean, it crosses all cultures, it crosses all language barriers, it's out there for every human being to see. And David, as a child, as a young boy, playing out there, outside, and then as a very young shepherd of the sheep, would have spent hours upon hours outside in creation, taking it all in, 
especially when the sheep were grazing or when they were sleeping at night. And David's there sleeping under the stars and just taking in the God that created it all. Notice he goes on to say, there's no actual speech, verse 3, or word, nor is its voice literally heard. Yet, verse 4, its voice echoes throughout the earth. Its words carry to the distant horizon. In the sky, he has pitched a tent for the sun. Like a bridegroom, it emerges from its chamber. Like a strong man, it enjoys running its course. It emerges from the distant horizon and goes from one end of the sky to the other. Nothing can escape its heat. And we would certainly say amen to that in the midst of this historic heat wave. And yet, even as I've said before, even the sun, our sun, speaks to the greatness and glory and magnificence of our God. It is not by far the largest star that God has ever made. It's not the hottest star. And yet, you and I, I mean, we are greatly affected. And God transcends all the stars, all the planets, all the vastness of the universe that he's He's bigger than all of it. God's word even says for us to go to the ant and watch the ant every once in a while. To even again get to through the ant to see the glory and greatness of God. How they all, these little creatures, work together and how God made them and all of this. God says, won't you take the time to look at the animal kingdom and, and to the flora and fauna that I've made and, and to, to look at the vastness of the sky and the stars and the planets and all this. Don't you understand that they're screaming out to mankind every day? This is who I am. And I made it all as well as he made every one of us. So you can see how when we are open to the revelation that God wants to give us through creation, how it can draw us to God. It should draw us to God. And it should begin to shape our heart to become a heart after God, a heart that wants to pursue God, a heart that has a passion for a God that could create all of this, including ourselves. I don't think David ever got over the wonder of the God who created everything that he was seeing each and every day. But that's not the only tool that God used in David's very young life to shape him to be a man after God's own heart. The second primary thing that God used, beginning in verse 7, is the word of God. And here again, we are reminded that at a very, very young age, David began to learn the Old Testament scriptures and began to have a love for the Old Testament scriptures. In fact, his perspective on the Bible that he had was that there was nothing more valuable that he could ever have in his life than the Word of God. Notice what he says in verse 10 about the Word of God. He says, 
These principles of God are of greater value than gold, more precious, more desirable, even a great amount of pure gold. Is that how we view the word of God? Boy, wouldn't it be great if even Christians would pursue the word of God and spending time in God's word so that God could use his word to shape them as much as they do lottery tickets? I'm just sensitive to that because that was the big, you know, we're up to a billion dollars and everybody's going out, you know, because, oh, nothing could be better than, man, if I hit the jackpot and I got that billion dollar lottery prize, Oh, this is worth way more than that. Way more than that. And it sits in our houses every day with multiple copies and maybe multiple versions and translations. But do we realize the value and worth of what we have here today? David says, this is worth more. This is more valuable. This is the word of God. That's why he goes on to say in verse 10, this brings greater delight to me than honey, sweeter than any honey or the honeycomb. David really loved, even at a very young age, immersing himself in the word of God. And because of his love for God's word, he benefited from it. He realized, again, the value and worth of being a man of the word or a woman of the word. In fact, in this passage, he gives four clear benefits for being a person who allows God to shape them by his word as he does his creation. Notice beginning in verse 7. What's the first benefit of being a person who's shaped by the word? It preserves one's life. And how does it preserve one's life? By restoring us continually, by reviving us continually, by refreshing us continually. That's what the word preserves means. It sustains us throughout our life and throughout the challenges and obstacles and difficulties and trials and tribulations. This is what the word of God does. Why are there so many even Christians who, who are not hanging in there and, and not being sustained and not being faithful and steadfast over the long haul. Maybe it's because they've not made the word of God the delight of their life and they're not in the word of God enough or consistently enough to allow it to benefit them, to restore them, revive them, and refresh them. The second benefit in verse 7, it imparts wisdom. And wisdom here is the ability to respond correctly to life's situations, to form and follow the best course of action, not just any course of action. You see, there's a right way and a wrong way to handle every situation that you and I will be confronted with in life. And David is saying, I have learned through the word of God that God gives me his wisdom, his ability to handle any situation that I'm confronted with the best way. And not only to be able to follow the best plan, but to be able through his wisdom to formulate it in my own mind and in my own heart. Wow. And that's why even James says if we lack wisdom, and we all do, all we have to do is ask God and he'll give it to us. And one of the primary ways God gives us his wisdom, 
is through his word. The third benefit of the word of God, verse 8, it makes one joyful. It makes us glad and happy. It gives us an overwhelming feeling of well-being down deep in our soul. You get around somebody who claims to be a Christian and they're cranky and they sit soaked and sour, I'll tell you, they probably aren't in this very much. Because this book, one of the benefits of it is it makes us joyful. Joyful. And the final benefit, David says, of the word of God, verse 8, is it gives insight for life. Literally, light to live by, illuminating the right path, enabling us to walk confidently and without stumbling. And we know that to be true. David said in Psalm 119, your word is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. All these benefits and so much more. And here's this young man, I mean really young. And what is God doing very early in David's life to shape his heart? He's using the world, creation, and his word. And those are the things that are really beginning to shape David's young heart for God. Now, when this happens even at a very young age, it brings about a realization of certain things. And that's what we begin to see then David expressing to us in the last three verses of Psalm 19 that I really want to focus the remainder of our time on this morning. Yes, we need to be open to creation shaping us. It speaks to us about the glory and greatness of our God. And we must turn to the word of God. It has so many benefits for us. And it is one of the primary things that God will use throughout our life to shape our heart. But as God shapes us through creation and through the word, again, certain realizations begin to come to the fore. And one of them is, oh my goodness, how holy is my God and how sinful I am. It's actually one of the byproducts of drawing closer to God is that we become more sensitive to sin. We become more aware, more self-aware of when we have fallen and when we have failed before our God. And that's exactly why David says the things he does in verses 12 and 13. Who can know all his errors? In other words, David's even confessing, I realize, God, that even as close as I could be to you, I'm still not going to be able to understand all the ways I fall short of you. I'm getting that now. That's how sinful I am from the core out. Please do not punish me for sins I'm even unaware of. Moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sins. Do not allow such sins to control me. Oh. David is so more aware of how sinful he is when he's open to how God is shaping him. That's one of the tensions, if you will, in our Christian life, that we have to, if we're going to continually progress 
and become a man or woman after God's own heart. It's one of those things that we've got to be okay with and yet not be okay with. That, that the closer we get to God, the more sensitive and more aware we're going to be of our shortcomings and our failures and our sin and our sinfulness, especially at the core level, that we are totally depraved from the inside out. And yet, to continue to go down that path, pursuing it, because here's the other thing that David realized. At the same time he is realizing his own sinfulness, he also is realizing through the creation and through the word that God is revealing to him that his God is a redeemer God. And that's why he ends this psalm the way he does. Oh, Lord, my sheltering rock and my redeemer. Because as David begins to become more aware and sensitive of his sin, he also realizes that this God has made provision for his sinfulness and for everyone's sinfulness. He has provided redemption. He has provided a redeemer. And by the way, this word redeemer is the concept in the Old Testament of the kinsman redeemer. If you know or understand the book of Ruth and the role of Boaz, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's someone who's willing to come along and come close beside of us at our times of need and to literally save us, deliver us, rescue us through the payment of a price. It costs something to be redeemed by the one who's doing the redeeming. And that doesn't end there. Once we have been delivered, saved, or rescued through the paying of a price or a great cost, it is also restorative that through this deliverance and salvation and rescue, we get restored to a better state. And David understands my God can take care of my sin. And we all know, if you know anything about David's life, it certainly wasn't that David was perfect. He had a lot of problems in his life and made a lot of mistakes, but here's why David was a man after God's own heart. He always came back to his Redeemer. He always turned back to him realizing that he's the only one that could forgive. He's the only one that could cleanse. He's the only one that could wipe out his past and have him start all over again. He's the only one that could restore him to a better state after he slipped and fell. He's the only one. And so his heart kept going back to God. That's the way our heart should be. It's not that we're going to be perfect. It's not that we're ever going to get to the point where we don't need rescued and we don't need delivered and, and we don't need saved, if you will. I mean, yes, the, the moment we accept Christ as our Savior, that's one moment in time. But let's face it, even as Christians, we still need continually saved, delivered, and rescued throughout our Christian life from the things that, that we get entrapped with or the things that get tangled around us or the things we get involved in that we shouldn't have or whatever it is. And God is a redeemer God. And David understood that. He understood his God could and would gladly and willingly redeem him over and over and over again. 
And because of that, notice then David says, I also realize that God is my sheltering rock. He is my support and defense. He is my refuge and strength. So at the very same time that David, through creation and through the word, is realizing his sinfulness and more aware of his falling and, and failing God, even at a young age, he also realizes God has made provision for that. And now I can rest in my God. And, and I know God loves me unconditionally. And I know now that he is my strength and refuge and that I can always run to him and he'll help me. He's my shelter. He's my rock on which I can build my life. You see, it was as God was shaping him that David realized something. Again, it was like that light bulb moment. He's like, you know what? If God made all these things around me to reflect him, and then God gave me his word to reflect him, he's coming to the understanding that God made him to reflect him too. Just like God made each one of us to reflect him. In fact, go back with me to the beginning of Psalm 19. David realized the heavens declare, the heavens display, the heavens speak, creation reveals, but so can I. I can declare, I can relate and reflect God. I can display, I can proclaim and make him known, his handiwork. I can gush forth and flow and pour out the things about my God. I can reveal God to others. I can be that too. And then as God began to shape his heart, what David truly desired was not just to be any reflection, but like creation and like the word, to be an attractive, appealing, and accurate reflection of God. Because we all know, and maybe we've been there ourselves, we all know people in our lives, and again, maybe us at times, Christians who were a very unattractive, unappealing, and not accurate reflection of God. David is saying, oh, wow, God. You speak to me through your creation. You speak to me through your word. And now you want to use me to speak to others about you? Yeah. And that's really what the heart of worship is all about. That's really what the essence of worship is all about, where God can get each of us to a place where, like David, we have a heart for him in this respect. We desire more than anything else that we want to be an appealing, attractive, and accurate reflection of our God to everyone around us so that God can use our lives as he does his creation and as he does his word to speak into other people's lives about who he is and what kind of God he is and the greatness and glory and graciousness and goodness of our God that should flow out of us. But that can only happen when you and I are allowing God to shape us by the things that he wants to shape our lives with and by the people that he wants to shape our lives with. I'll come back to that in just a moment. And that's why after all this 
great stuff that David has written down as a worship song to the Lord, he ends with these words in verse 14. May my words and my thoughts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my sheltering rock and my redeemer. What's David saying in verse 14? He's saying that to be an appealing, attractive, accurate reflection of God, it starts with the way I think and with the way I speak. Notice, very interestingly, he doesn't say, may my deeds. He actually says, no, 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 let's back up. My thoughts, the way I think, that's where it starts. I've got to begin to let God shape my thinking, my thoughts, because I'm understanding that my God sees and hears everything, even the things that I don't speak out loud. He knows my heart. He knows what I'm thinking. If nobody else does, God knows. And that my life is really directed by this central system that God has placed in me, and that starts with my thoughts. A lot of us as Christians at times can struggle from what I call stinking thinking. We are allowing ourselves thoughts and thinking that does not line up with who our God is and what he has revealed he is. And God teaches us in his word. You've got to learn to stop that through the power of the Holy Spirit and to lay aside those thoughts as soon as they come in if they are not in alignment with me and replace those thoughts with proper thoughts and learn to train yourself to think properly. That's why the Bible spends so much time talking to us about the renewing of our mind. God literally through his spirit and through his word wants to rewire our thinking. And that's what David says because he understands how vitally important that is because as we think, that's who we are. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why some of you, I, I just got to say this. Some of you got to stop watching some of the stuff you're watching and listening to some of the stuff you're listening to because it's affecting you negatively. And I'm not just talking about obvious stuff. I'm not talking about dark. I'm talking about even some of the stuff out there today that, that you would think is conservative and, and all of this. You, you need to just be real careful about the things that you are listening to and watching because it is, it is doing a number on your brain and on what you're thinking. And it's not in alignment with God. David says, I want my thoughts to be acceptable in your sight. And then he says, my words. I want my speech. I want what I say, when I say it, and how I say it to be a reflection of you, God. Wow. David's really getting down to the nitty-gritty. This young man's got a good head on his shoulders, doesn't he? And notice one final thing. When God is shaping our hearts to be hearts after his, 
we begin to live for the audience of one. Because notice what David says, may my words and my thoughts be acceptable in whose sight? Yours alone. All I care about, God, is am I following you? Am I pleasing you? I'm not going to try to please people. I'm not going to try to be what everybody wants me to be or thinks I should be. My goal is simply that the way I do life and the way I live my life is acceptable to you. And if it's acceptable to you, I'm good, God, whether anybody else is fine with me or not. And that's why David became the worshiper warrior that he became. That's why God, later down the line, when he said, we got to get Saul off the throne of Israel, and I've chosen for me a king. And this young man is a man after my own heart. Why did God declare him that? For this very reason. Because David had a heart for God. David allowed the things that God wanted to shape his life and the people that God wanted to shape his life to shape his life. Is that what our heart's desire is? And so let me say, before we wrap this up this morning, are we allowing the things that God wants to shape us to shape us? Because God will have certain things throughout our seasons of life that he says, I want you to allow this because it's for me to shape you, to shape your heart. And then throughout the seasons of our life, God is going to choose certain people that he wants us to do life and ministry with. Because he says, when I bring you together, you all are going to be iron sharpening iron. And these are the people that I want you to shape you because too often even as Christians, we allow people to shape us that we have no business allowing shape us. They're not a positive influence on us. They are a negative influence on us. And that's sometimes why we have a hard time being a person after God's own heart because we're hanging around other people and allowing them to be the primary influence in our life, and they don't have a heart for God. And that's really going to be a struggle. So as we begin this series on David, the worshiper warrior, we have come to realize that we can all have a heart for God. We can all be a man or woman after God's own heart. But in order to do so, our heart's got to be open to what God wants to do and how he wants to shape us. And I hope that all of us throughout this series, as we go layer by layer, week by week, will just continue to allow God to shape our hearts the way David allowed God to shape his. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come. And as they come this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand and join me in prayer as we close. Father, we come before you this morning
And we're so thankful, God, that you've included so much in your word about your servant David. I believe, Lord, that all of us can truly be blessed and benefit from immersing ourselves into the study of this man's life. And God, I know you led me to this series in this season for our church. And I believe it's just another way that you want to take us from where we left off in Luke and to now take us to a whole other level through David. So God, I pray that our hearts would be open to respond and that God, like David, we would say, God, the greatest desire of my life is that I want to be an appealing, attractive, and accurate reflection of you, God. I want, like creation and like the word, I, I, I want others to see you through me in a good way, in a gracious way, in a glorious way. Use our lives, God, even here at the Oasis, to do the very same thing in our community, where we go to school, where we work, in our neighborhoods, in the places and, and, and people that we interact with, God, may they see so clearly. Now, that doesn't mean maybe that they're going to embrace you, but at least, God, we've been a faithful witness of who you are to those around us. They have no excuse. They saw you clearly through creation. They've certainly been exposed to your word. And then you bring us into their life so that they can see you through us. So God, may we have that heart desire today. A true heart of worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.